Is this thing still on? I think they can hear us a bit better now. Should we keep talking? Of course. Let's say it louder for those in the back. Hi, and welcome to the Green Nurse Podcast, an unfiltered discussion about health and healthcare. My name is Amy Archibald Burley. And my name is Sarah Fung. And we are your podcast hosts. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, iHeartRadio, or any other podcast platform, don't forget to hit subscribe so you can get updates on new episodes. If you love our podcast and our advocacy work, please go to www.grittynurse.com and click on the Support Us button. This will give you access to exclusive episodes and early releases on a monthly basis. This will help us with the cost of running the podcast, the time and energy to put out awesome and informative episodes. And for that, we thank you and we appreciate you. You know, I always have to do that every single year. So it's October. And of course, we have to talk about scary stuff. And I know, you know, you folks out there are just like, oh, here they go talking about Halloween. Yeah, Halloween has started for me since September. So I'm just trying to, you know, live my best life because there's only 31 days and we've already we're already at October 3rd. But before we get into this, we, we actually have a guest. Oh my gosh, should you introduce him? Should I introduce him? This is weird. How about you introduce yourself, Jordan? That probably would make sense. Sure. I mean, I've been on the podcast before in the in the early days. Yeah, my name's Jordan Varley. I am the husband of Amy. And uh, yeah, Amy just wanted me to come on and uh, and, and lend my perspective. Yes, he's going to he's going to give us the healthy skeptic perspective because you know what? Um we did something really cool, Sarah. We actually were able to record a haunted hospitals episode. So, you know, before I chat away cuz you know I can do that, how about you tell us a little bit about how you felt about, you know, doing a haunted hospitals type of episode? Well, first of all, for anyone who hasn't been listening to the podcast for a while, or maybe if you're new to the podcast, we should explain that we're semi-obsessed with Halloween and all things Halloween. And every year, every year we do a Halloween episode. We might actually do two this year um, because we're obsessed with ghost stories and spirits and all things, you know, supernatural. Um, but we were asked, I would say back in the spring to film this episode of Haunted Hospitals, which if you haven't heard of it, it's a documentary type series where they ask healthcare workers for scary stories of their time in the hospital or wherever they work. And um, as as you tell your story, it's kind of reenacted at the same time by an actor. So kind of, you know, portraying what you went through. And then at the end of each story, they bring on a paranormal expert to try and explain what happened to you. So Amy and I were asked to be on this episode of Haunted Hospitals, and we each have our story, and we each have our episode, and it was super cool. It was really fun filming. And um, I guess, you know, it was really neat to understand the whole production process. And now we're at the point where it's actually going to be released. So this is where we want to talk about that and 
all the crazy stuff that happened, um, I guess, from the filming to now and yeah, like what your experience was. And I think that it was a first for both of us. We're actually going to have like production credits now. This is oh a show. Oh my god, we have an I- <laughs> I mean, we need an IMBD page. Oh my god, I know. And and this is a legit show, you guys. This is on Crave for those of you that are listening from Canada. I'm not sure where it's going to be in the states, but it's on Crave. Like this is legit, right? I mean, it's not just some channel that's going to be on YouTube or whatever. Yeah, no, I'm I'm I don't want to give away the story. We've we've actually told the story before, but I, I think seeing it in it represented visually is is really really cool so i don't want to give the way uh, give away the story but i think just talking about the experience you know because again we are healthcare providers we do believe in the science and again we have our own experiences with the paranormal or ghosts or whatever the case may be so i mean one of the things that i want to throw out there before i you know i i throw jordan as our healthy skeptic is there's actually a lot of stats that talk about the types of people or you know the numbers of people who actually believe in ghosts and the paranormal and maybe this is surprising maybe it's not but i found stats that two in five americans believe in ghosts that ghosts are real and one in five have seen them and i've seen recent statistics 20 i think it was 2019 or what no maybe it was later 2021 that over 50 percent of people believe in ghosts Ooh. okay let's let's do a little quick round table so maybe we'll start with jordan here we, we've we've set our pieces here. So where do you lie with the believing in ghosts and the spirit, the supernatural? Absolutely not. <laughs> so you're saying 100% you don't believe. Like there's not a little bit of... I don't believe it. I don't believe it for one second, Sarah. He's lying. So so let's put it this way. Um, from a... Like, like the human brain is like bifurcated in all sorts of conflicting modules, right? There's a... My, my rational mind doesn't believe in it and and for a variety of reasons we can get into if you want and of course there is my other modules that are far less rational that just indicate to me that or tell me not to play around with things that might happen it's kind so, of a it's kind of a in my point in my rational mind it's, it's a bug in my my probabilistic machinery so long story short he believes in ghosts i don't at all have I seen a ghost? No. Do, when somebody tells me they've seen a ghost, do I believe them? No. For a variety of reasons, right? I mean, I am not a wholly rational being, and I have to acknowledge that, you know? Mm-hmm. Sarah, where do you stand on whether you believe in ghosts or not? Well, I mean, I think there's a lot of things that science can't explain. Like, I'm all for science. I believe in science. I believe in evidence. But I feel like not every single thing in the world can be explained by science. And maybe this is one of those things. And when I was doing research for this episode, I came across the same stats as you, Amy, where it says around 45% of Americans believe in ghosts and 18% will go so far to say they have had contact with a ghost. And just to round out this conversation a little bit, I found this article which has six possible scientific explanations for ghosts. Okay, hold on. Okay. Let's let's pause that thought and then I will jump into in terms of like whether I believe in ghosts. So, you know, I'd like to say that I'm a healthy skeptic, except when it comes to certain things. Um, 
I don't know. I guess it's because like the I opposite of being a healthy skeptic, <laughs> by the way. I guess because I was raised in a household where they talked about things called duppies and ghosts and voodoo and these various different things that that kind of sometimes plays in the back of my mind. Even though, you know, I went to school, I'm well learned, I'm well educated, I guess that folks would say, you know, but just something deep down that underlying, I'm not really too sure if I could put my finger on it, if it's real or not, just gets to me. So I would say that, you know, I err on the side of caution. <laughs> I think that's, that's the the fairest thing to say. That's just like, all right, you know, I, we, like, I agree with you, Sarah. There's a lot of things that science can't explain, that can't prove. I, I guess I would say that I'm agnostic. So I do believe that there is a higher power. Now, this is where things get a little fuzzy for me with these, you know, um, spiritual things. I've had my own little strange kind of phenomena type of things happening. And, uh, you know, maybe it's just because I've overslept or, you know, I, I put some type of explanation on it. But when it comes to certain things like you know, we we have that Ouija board. We should we should pull that out, right? I have it right here. I still have it right All here. All reality, if you really pulled it out, I'd be like, fuck Sarah, we ain't doing this. We're not really gonna it's just for a show. I don't know, deep down, I'm like, I'm not too sure if I want to mess with that. But rationally, does that even make any sense? As you know, a nurse, someone who studies science, someone who believes in science, is that illogical? So, you know, I would say that I don't know. Mm-hmm. Right. Before I, before I, <laughs> I'm finna explode here. What did you say? You're finna to explode. Um. So there's a couple of things. One, if you're agnostic, it means you literally don't know. Agnostic, right? So if you don't know, then that's kind of your position. Is like, or the the specifically the agnosticism is the indication that you will never know. It's unknowable, right? So. If people are agnostic agnostic with respect to the existence of God, it just means it's unknowable. So essentially, and, I'm right and he's wrong, and we're gonna ouch. Be anyway, and um, and so and then there's the uh, the other uh, component where you know the the, the whole, whole science doesn't know, so therefore X, Y, and Z. That's like a traditional like argument. It's called the gods of the the god of the gaps argument. So people historically have just kind of looked for gaps in what our knowledge is or our scientific explanations and then just use God to fill in the gaps rather than just acknowledging that we just don't know. Um, because of course, though some of those gaps have been subsequently filled, right? We're going to turn him into a believer by the end of the episode. It's a hard, <laughs> hard So, so anyway, yeah. So there's the whole gods of God of the gaps argument. So yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm just not terribly, convinced that supernatural things exist and i can get into a whole slew of explanations as to why that is and why people see weird things and or why from an evolutionary perspective we're inclined to believe that these things exist but suffice it to say I, my conclusion is is fairly rock solid <laughs> you know it'd be so but fun also, that being said i yeah. would not play with a ouija board right right <laughs> because so remember day, last year literally you Literally, you forced me to buy a Ouija board, Amy, and you're like, we're going to do an episode where we play okay, with it. Okay, maybe I'll do it. Maybe I'll do and it. Then, and then I go to bring the Ouija board, and you're like, no, we're not messing with it. I talked to so-and-so who's a psychic, and she's like, you don't you don't rip a like hole in the... I don't want to say like the time-space continuum, I, but you don't speak <laughs> to the spirits that close to Halloween. And I was like, oh, what am I doing with this now? <laughs> I think it was... Time-space I think it was... That it was too close to Halloween. And I think she said that 
the veil between, you know, the supernatural and the natural world was too thin. So that's why... Shut up, Jordan. Is, is that testable? That's why we didn't use the Ouija board that time. Mm. I, and you know what? I'm not trying to mess with things. And if there is a chance that perhaps she was right, we erred on the side of caution and are still here today to have this episode. So Sarah, you get into those stats that you were going to tell us a little bit about. As we were talking, though, I actually just thought of something. Wouldn't it be so cool if we were asked to complete a research study on ghost stories? And it was like, let's say it was like a qualitative research study. And we interviewed all these people and we themed their responses. I'm like, now that would be a fun research study. But I digress. Wouldn't it be be dangerous, though? Maybe it's dangerous. But I'm like, who would fund that? Like, I don't know of any reputable organization that would fund that for us. Who knows? We just have to ask the right questions. I'm sure there are a ton of unreputable. I know whoever's listening right now let us know dare you (laughs) you stop that all right okay all right so let's talk about some science here and according to this article there are six possible scientific reasons for ghosts number one low frequency sound so it says that um obviously there are sounds that we can hear and sounds that we can't hear and when it gets to such a low level that you can't hear there was actually a study conducted by um Uh, I guess a company that, you know, focused on concert goers. And when they were exposed to sounds at 17 hertz, they reported feeling uneasy or sorrowful, getting chills or nervous feelings of revulsion and fear. So it was a sound that they couldn't hear, but they could kind of feel, I guess, because it was so low and it made them feel like really negative emotions. So that's one that's one possible explanation. The second one I found kind of funny. It says mold. So breathing in toxic mold can be bad for your respiratory system. Now that's something we understand, but it can also be bad for your brain. Exposure to mold is known to cause neurologic symptoms such as delirium, dementia, or irrational fears. Okay. Um, so <laughs> so is it a coincidence that the houses we suspect are haunted also tend to be in disrepair and so quite possibly full of toxic mold? Oh my gosh, these are the answers we've been seeking. So Amy, did your childhood home have mold in it? Maybe. Like, I mean, it was an older home, right? So when I think back to that place, shush. When I think back- He's not saying anything. He's he's giving me the eye. When I think back to that place, it was an older home. Like, I think we were getting close to the 20, 25 years. No, it was over 25 years because my parents had paid it off. So yeah, maybe there was mold, but maybe there wasn't mold. <laughs> so we well, don't actually know. I was going to interject here and be like, <laughs> say like, well, there might, could be the mold is one possible explanation. There's also the the explanation that, you know, a lot of these, a lot of people have these experiences, at least in my limited experience with this kind of stuff, around the time that they're sleeping, falling asleep or have fallen asleep. So and there's so many things that happen to the brain at that time that we don't even really understand fundamentally. Uh, the, the the knowledge that we have about sleep itself is so limited. It's still a huge mystery, despite the fact that we have fMRIs and all this stuff, that it, it's really hard to kind of jump to the supernatural conclusion before you kind of eliminate all of the natural conclusions, right? Who and that's that God this? of the gaps impulse. It's like, well, we don't understand sleep, so all the dreams must have these like supernatural meanings or... You know, when I wake up and I'm like still half in the bag, that somehow that 
I'm some in some I'm bridging the gap between two realms or whatever. This guy has not seen the Nightmare and Elm Street movies. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. Proceed, Sarah, please. So, okay. so, we, so we've got low frequency sounds, sounds that are so low you can feel them, but you can't hear them. Yes, yes. We've got mold that can make you like, ooh. What's the next one? Okay, next one. Carbon monoxide. Just oh. as breathing in mold could lead us to see, hear, and feel things that aren't normally there, so too can breathing in too much carbon monoxide. Yeah, it can also lead to death. <laughs> and I'm thinking, like, I'm trying to think of when carbon monoxide detectors became, like, a thing that you had to have in your house. Because it wasn't always something you had to have. So maybe maybe we were exposed to, like, low levels of carbon monoxide all through our childhood and we didn't know it but it also said that before a carbon monoxide gas leak poisons us it can cause auditory hallucinations a feeling of pressure on your chest and an unexplained feeling of dread yeah that's because you're about to die from carbon (laughs) monoxide poisoning that's why and of course like i mean i'm glad that we have carbon monoxide detectors because i think before this i remember as a child when we were growing up hearing about like the most horrible things happening to families when you know they didn't have a carbon monoxide essentially that these folks would go to sleep and just never wake up that's a phenomenon itself that's super scary because you know it's undetectable it's odorless it's it's colorless you can't you can't smell it so again i mean that whole aspect is scary but i mean yeah like i don't know if i would i don't know how that made it to the list but but anyways well Mm -hmm. i know Okay, so let's go on to number four. And Jordan, I think you'll appreciate this one. The power of suggestion. So studies suggest that we are more likely to believe in a paranormal experience if someone else who was there can back up our belief. So while we might be able to convince ourselves that we were somehow mistaken about what we saw or heard, we tend to put more stock into someone else's witness account if it also backs our suspicions. So our belief in ghosts can be catching. So, like, let's say you and me, Amy, both experienced some super nor- or supernatural effect. The fact that we both experienced it, like, then I feel like I'm not crazy for thinking what happened happened because you were there, too. Well, because you're not. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, I think, like, I guess the power of suggestion is 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 very powerful. I think about, you know, just my own circumstances and issues or I shouldn't say issues, but my own my own interactions with, you know, um, even this own episode, sorry, even the episode that we talked about where we talked about our experiences. I mean, it was real to us, whether or not that, you know, these things could be explained. It's still, those still, those feelings were real. So for example, when I was feeling like I could hear my own voice or sorry, my own breathing or hear how loud my heartbeat was, or that the room seemed really, really cold. All those things were real. It's not that those things weren't happening. And of course, I think there was a tone that was set with the story that was told prior prior to me going to this room. The The whole mood was set. And of course, it would create all of these various different anxieties. But again, I think I'm a rational person. And sometimes irrational things happen and i don't know maybe maybe it was there are all these various different explanations but again i just don't know i i I hazard to interject one thing that i tend to say tell people just because i found it interesting when i learned about it um and it kind of sets the tone for like 
how I think about how the human perceptual system works. Like we have a brain that is the most complex formation of matter in the solar system, if not the galaxy. So that's a hundred billion neurons with 10 times as many connections between them. And a lot of our sensory apparatus are completely inferential. So the data comes in, the data is too much for our brains to handle. And our brain has to sift through what is important and what isn't important in a very short period of time. Like most people don't even realize that they have a optical blind spot and they've had it their entire life because your brain literally just colors it in. Your brain infers that this area shouldn't be blind and then colors it in. What else could it fool you into thinking? And that's just your visual system. Then you get into your auditory system. Then you can get into your, your, you know, kinesthetics or your proprioceptive systems or your enteral systems where your, your body senses things, right? So a lot of the explanations we have for things that we can't explain involve kind of anthropomorphizing data. Like, the, like you and I have discussed it. Like when I had that dream, sorry, when I had that experience with the um, sleep paralysis, despite all of my vaunted skepticism, I woke up, couldn't move my body. The first thing I thought was, there's a demon in the room. Because <laughs> there was. <laughs> and it has its hand on my chest and I can't move. And it's slowly crushing my chest. And I was awake. I just couldn't move my body. But that's because my... The, he was in the dream world. Because my brain <laughs> my brain didn't evolve to give me all of the right information about the world. My brain evolved in the context of... Oh, sorry, in a situation where the thing that was likely going to be attacking me was either another human or a creature. I think you're wrong. And and hold on, Sarah. <laughs> I think he's wrong. You want to know why? I think why? what our brains are saying is you fuck around, you find out. And that's why we react in these situations. And that were, for example, you, you were in, you were doing your thing. You're trying to get that baby to where it needs to go. And you're just like, nope, time to go. Same with me, where I was like, I'm not waiting around to find out what is there. It's that 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 relationship of like no we're not trying to do this and it keeps us safe <laughs> well that's exactly it we have something called the negativity bias so when we see a rock through a cusp of trees we don't know if that rock is the shoulder of a lion or a rock now the idiots in our tribes who thought that ain't no lion and walked towards it and it turned out one percent of the time to be a lion they're dead and they didn't get the chance to make babies the ones who said, no, 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 that might be a line, and they go the opposite way, but tend to survive, so... and that feature of our psychology passed on to subsequent that generations. That is the same thing with a duppy. <laughs> like, if it's a ghost, it's the same thing. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I wish, like, when you did that episode with Matt, I wish you'd explain to me what a duppy was, because I spent that whole episode trying to figure out what you guys were talking about, and then you tell me at the very end that duppy is just another word for ghost, and I'm like, oh, so this... This would have made so much sense if I'd known that. But right. I think so. In Grenada, they call <laughs> yeah. it a, jum a jumbie. In Jamaica, they call it a duppy. And I'm sure yeah. in every culture, they have various yeah, different a, there's, names. There's gin, that, yeah, gin, different or they're names, called yeah. whatever. Right? Well, I'm I mean, in sure. Cantonese, we call it guai. So it's like it's just a name for ghost. Um, and I think that in every culture, there is some variation of like a ghost, right? The the idea of a ghost. So it's pretty prevalent, I would say. Like you said, Jordan, when we don't understand something, especially in when we were in primitive societies, we just fill in the gaps with things that make sense to us. And ghosts made sense to us at the time. Um, do you want me to get into number five or should we yeah, talk a little going. bit more about the dream world? Because no, I feel like going. we were... Okay. So, <laughs> so number five is drafts. Drafts, like air drafts. 
Um, so as the days get hotter and air conditioning becomes more and more expensive, this person says, I rely more on opening windows to cool my home. Opening windows can um, create a nice breeze, but it can also create cold spots as air flow outside changes, causing cooler air to enter a warmer room. Um, so I guess, long story short, when you don't know what's happening and you feel a draft, you might just interpret that as a spirit or a being that is like, breathing down your neck or whatever on your body and freak you out yeah no i mean i think that that's kind of like the classic you know a ghost is in the room or whatever i think we've seen it play out in various different tropes and movies where you know you walk into the room and all of a sudden you could see the the breath your cold the cold air from your breath and like things can start getting all cold in the room like almost to the point where it's freezing right um I'm so excited about this. So, <laughs> but I mean, yeah, like that's kind of one of the classic signs, telltale signs that there is, you know, a ghost around or a foot. And I think that, you know, for example, my specific experience, um, that room was very close to the operating room and the operating theater is always cold. They keep the temperature down. So, I mean, the room was, it was freezing because it was probably close in relation. But yes, that is a classical trope in terms of, you know, the temperature goes down, you know, you know how it works. And the movies are like walking around and they're like, oh, do you feel that? Oh, All of a sudden cold. you see your breath, right? Like it's yeah. cold. <laughs> but bear in mind too, right? When the, 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 And I think most of us have experienced this. Like you in a situation, like you go down to your basement to get something. The lights are off. You, for a split second, your brain says, what if there was a ghost down here? Yeah. All of a sudden, the room gets cold. Now, is it true that the room is getting cold, or is it the fact that you just experienced fear, and now all of a sudden the blood has left your extremities and gone straight oh, to your legs being as a fight or flight response? <laughs> and all of a sudden, your your breathing increases, your heart starts beating in your ears, then hairs on the back of your neck start start standing up. Like you know, it's it's kind of and in some respects, it's like mistaken the kind of it's like the chicken or the egg, right? It's like you know. The causal reaction, we reverse it in our mind afterward, but, you know, really what happened was you scared yourself. The fear of the unknown, again, that negativity bias, like, oh, if there's like a 1% chance that there's something down here that I can't see because I'm in the dark, then I'm going to boot upstairs. I don't care how stupid I look or sound to my wife who can hear my th my thumping up the stairs. It's like, why are you running up the stairs? Like, just clearly no goblins in the house. You know, like when I watched the first Home Alone movie, I was scared for years of the basement oh and the furnace. Like, do you remember how the furnace was like evil? Like it scared me until probably I was 10. <laughs> well, I mean, again, that's just another classic scary place, right? Like basements, attics, cellars, all these areas tend to be, again, cold Oh my gosh, it's it's meeting all the criteria. Cold, potentially moldy, where you might hear various different types of sounds. Like, yeah, like these are kind of the things. And they tend to have very limited numbers of exits. Yeah. Oh my God, you're so right. You're so right. Is, like, I think, of course, the science is there where it's, of course, these are the things, this is the autonomic response, right? Your body is doing the things that you it needs to do to keep itself safe. And of course, if you're feeling, oh, I need to leave this space or I need to move away, it's because your body is actually giving you signals to, to do so. Now, again, whether there's a ghost there or not, I mean, that's a whole other conversation. But again, I just, I don't know. I'm very hesitant to, to, to turn to someone and be like, yeah, that just 
wasn't real because like i mean i i, I just don't know mm-hmm. I, think, I agree i think i mean listen i think it's helpful i mean it certainly hasn't you know it doesn't make a lot of friends <laughs> to tell people your actual thoughts on this stuff but you know at the end what of the day what are you talking about we're telling like thirty thousand people right no, now i mean like so if somebody says comes to you and says oh a ghost <laughs> a ghost chased me up the stairs from my basement last night and your first response is well you know it could have been explained by any number of you know psychological or you know external factors that you interpreted as being some ghost but it could have just been these external factors that you interpreted as being a ghost. well yeah we're gonna nobody with, wants you we're to gonna be, start with the rational like, stuff first i was really come on people don't start with the rational stuff first of that's course, the problem sarah you would start with the rational stuff first right you like, know what the nurse in me is saying you need to validate what the person is saying and you know <laughs> I love it. use reflective listening and don't discount their experience but then in the back of my mind i'd be thinking what the heck are they talking about those of you who have no time for me then you just jump straight to the 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 keeping it real part yeah right you're not gonna be like that i have been sarah drop that ouija board over tomorrow we'll see we'll see what side of the fence okay i actually will do that and you'll see you'll freak out you'll just open your front door and it'll be there staring at you listen i'm not saying i'm some paragon of logic or, or rationality i'm not i'm just a bald ape like everybody else on the planet but <laughs> though i'm just as prone to the same idiotic bs that everybody else is the whole point like listen the whole reason why the first thought in your head when you're downstairs in the dark knowing that you're getting all cold and scared the first thing in your head is oh man it's a demon and you run out of the basement is because your brain doesn't want you to sit there and ponder through a whole like it's called type two thinking and like if you people for people who are into this type of thing so it's type one thinking and type two thinking type two thinking is like deliberative and rational and you go step by step and you come up with as many you know good reasons for things as possible and then there's type one thinking which is what your brain wants you to do which is just get the fuck out of the basement and worry about the reason why you wanted to get out of the basement later because you have nothing to lose by running out of the basement you have something potentially to lose by staying in the basement and all your brain wants you to do is maximize your chance of survival and passing on your genes <laughs> so you can't do that if you're dead so my you know at, at the end of the day like I, I again i am as susceptible to these things as anybody else but at the also once i'm out of the basement then i wouldn't try to rationalize it quote unquote by going outside of the physical world because once you start going to the supernatural first you know you're not following kind of like the basic what in my opinion are the basic kind of you know skeptical decision making process right which is eliminate all the natural explanations first and then go to the supernatural mm-hmm. so in this case and then if you run out of natural explanations then you still have all of the gaps in our scientific knowledge and kind of the knowledge of our rationality right like you would think all oh, this thumping in the basement is a demon walking up behind you or it could be expanding pipes that you didn't realize were in that wall right or it could be a demon walking up <laughs> behind you <laughs> or it could be an animal that's stuck in your attic and is trying frantically to get out and then jumps out at you when you open the closet door that did happen to us <laughs> or it could be a demon looking after you <laughs> yeah so Sarah, what's number six what's the, okay what's the sixth thing 
All right, let's bring this full circle now. So number six is that we just enjoy being afraid. Neurologists have found that our brains release dopamine, which is a chemical associated with pleasure when we are afraid. Exactly how much dopamine and how many receptors we have for receiving it can influence whether or you are a person that enjoys being frightened or someone who would rather avoid scary movies or rides altogether. So it's a little bit boring, but sometimes we just enjoy it. It's it's good entertainment. It helps us explain a lot of things that can't be explained. It allows us to believe in, in an existence after death, which ultimately can be comforting. Listen, it's it's October 3rd. And by the, the by Saturday, I, I will have been to Casaloma three times. So I mean, I really in, I don't know. Maybe it's just ever since I was a child. I just I didn't even know where my kind of love for horror movies and, you know, all, all things scary. I don't even know really where it came from. Like, I know my brother is into like all sorts of different films, but I don't know. Like, I, I try to think about like what my first horror movie was. And I, I, I don't recall whether it was The Exorcist or whether it was like a nightmare in Elm Street. But I just remember. It's called starting off in the deep end, kids. Yes. I just yes. Remember... That wouldn't be allowed these days. No. Oh, I mean, anyways, I just remember like seeing it and just I was I was scared. I was terrified. But then it was just like, so what other scary movies are there out there? <laughs> what other types of things can I watch? And I remember, you know, eventually watching like the alien movies and, you know, Creep Show and all these other really great horror movies. Night of the Living Dead. I could start listing them off. And I guess the reality of it is. Deep down, I guess I like being scared. I, that sounds so messed up. It sounds like I need to see someone for therapy. <laughs> I mean, you saw a lot of movies, right? So so my childhood is that I watched a lot of X-Files. And this probably messed my mind up a little bit because I like really dark things still. And I like shows like Ozark, Breaking Bad, like those type of shows. But on the flip side, I like really random funny shows too. So I don't know. It's just, I remember watching X-Files and being glued to the couch and I didn't even want to step down because I was afraid that something was under the couch because it freaked was me it out so bad. Stretch? Was huh? it the guy who stretched with the yellow eyes? Well, there was that, but I, there was this I, one I episode. On for a week because that guy came out of a toilet. <laughs> there was this one character that was like, had tattoos like puzzle pieces all over his body and it was like he was like blue and then there was another episode where like an alien like like forced its way out of someone's abdomen and like ripped it apart in the oh, process and then there was like spontaneous combustion like i said i don't think oh, i should I have been that. watching this at when i was like nine or ten i definitely oh, should not have been watching it well like listen like one of the i think at least i've done a little bit of reading about why people like horror movies and and theme park rides and stuff like that and I mean, everybody's different in terms of their threshold for this type of stuff. Some people really like the adrenaline. They like experiencing what it would be like to be thrown up in the air in the case of a roller coaster or stalked by a serial killer. And no, like I don't want to be a stalked. Movie. No, no. It, <laughs> <laughs> stalked, I mean, like they're they're walking you down, like they're going to kill you, um, but without any of the consequences. So you get all of that rush of adrenaline endorphins, but you don't have any of the downside, which is, you know, the death and maiming part. <laughs> right, right, um, right. And then, of course, people get something different out of comedies, right? Like it's a completely different facet of our psychology that gets something out of comedies and a different, again, facet of something that we get out of like science fiction and stuff like that. So I, I think people like Amy, who really like horror movies, really like that kind of exploring kind of the macabre, the dark side of life, 
it's kind of like you're running simulations, right? You're like, okay, so what would it be like to die in this way? What would it be no, like? No, that is what not would it be like to be, What going. would it be like to, to be on a roller coaster <laughs> that flies off in the case of like Final Destination, flies off the tracks? And I think the, the thrill of it is, oh, okay, well, that's terrifying. And I lived, right? It's the same reason people start cackling after they've, some people anyway, start laughing uncontrollably when they've thrown themselves out of a plane and pulled a parachute. It's because their brain gets in this hyper excited state because it thinks it's going to die. And then when it lives, your brain wants to crank that dial all the way the other way to try and get your, your, your neurological system back to kind of some level of homeostasis. And sometimes that results in this feeling of euphoria because you just quote unquote survived the incident. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if I get into that much detail when I'm watching a horror movie. (laughs) I think just for me, I think, I don't know. It's just something that I find I find all of those sensations, I guess, very interesting. And I just find the concepts that people come up with when it comes to horror movies. Because I, I like a good ghost horror movie. Like, I don't, I'm not into these slasher films where, like, someone's running around and they're getting murderated by somebody or, you know, uh, serial killers, like, Dom. Like, those things really actually freak me out. Like, those, because, like, thinking about the human mind and how humans can interact with each other in that type of psychopathy is actually quite terrifying. So for me, those types of movies, those types of films are really, really unnerving. I mean, I think everyone's been talking about this, uh, the Netflix Dahmer show. And I think we watched like one or two episodes. And it's for me, it's very, very unnerving because um, that that there's a very real fear that there are individuals still amongst us that that behave in this way and that you know of course back then they didn't really have the greatest technology in terms of capturing these types of individuals so for me that is the true horror film those are the true scary things when i'm watching a horror movie with ghosts demons goblins whatever i know at the end of the day when that movie turns off that those things aren't coming for me so i mean i think that's where for me the element of being able to dabble into something, learn about those types of things, knowing that they're not real, isn't very fearful for me. But there is a very real fear of individuals who act and behave in a certain way, and that's what's what really scares me at the end of the day. Well, well bear in mind that there's a lot. There's some people who theorize that our werewolf leg- legends, our vampire legends, oh, our goblin legends, things, yeah. all of those legends that we no longer believe are real, all may have been derived from the fact that actual serial killers which have existed since humans from our nascent stages of of human development were actually predating other humans right we're an apex predator we're not a very you know you know physically intimidating apex predator but the only hunter of the only hunter of apex predators or other apex predators meaning that our own kind of fellow humans and so rather than you know admit that a human could eat another person or horribly torture and maim another person because it's so hard to get our minds around how a person could do that we came up with legends and and myths to explain these atrocities that at the time i'm sure were difficult to solve and whatever and so we came up with these well it must have been a werewolf because no human no human could tear a person apart like that kind of thing right so i think you know there's there's something to be said for why that movie Dahmer and other kind of serial killer 
type shows tend to fascinate people, but also kind of really deeply trouble people because there's this, you know, how can a quote unquote regular person, meaning a person who's just like everybody else, they have the same neurons and everything like that. How can they become so depraved? Right. And I think this is getting into the true crime, right? Like there's this fascination with true crime and the shock value. But then there are things that are like psychological thrillers, which are kind of, you know, they're scary in a different way. And then there are those slasher films, which I also don't think I can watch. And there are those scenes where someone's chasing someone and they're like that close to catching them. And those are like, those are the ones that I can't handle. I'm just like, oh, like get away already. But I think at the end of the day, it's just like, we all like different things. And um, Amy and I, and you know, we love hearing from other people what their ghost stories are and we actually want to do another episode so if anyone listening wants to share their ghost story with us um, email us greedynurses at gmail.com send us um, a twitter or an instagram message and we'd love to do another episode where we can actually share some of your stories and let everyone know um, what they are and maybe even just like put our own little opinions or spin on what we think happened Absolutely. And I, ha- I have one last question to go around. Um, as as healthcare providers, do you think we lose credibility talking about ghosts and supernatural things? I'll pass it to you, Sarah. I, I don't know that you would lose credibility. I mean, it's not like you're recommending anybody to go ghost, ghost hunting, <laughs> ghost hunting. You're not telling someone like we're not really telling patients or anyone to throw salt over their shoulder. Like I don't, I think this is just completely separate from nursing. I don't, I don't think it would, I hope it doesn't make people think less of us. I think it's just the entertainment factor and the fact that we've experienced things that we can't explain. And, and, you know, if you watch us on haunted hospitals, we both talk about at least I talk about the fact that I never really shared these stories with my coworkers because I thought nobody would believe me. So maybe, maybe at the time I thought people would think less of me, but now I think it's just more fun and entertainment. What do you, what do you say, Jordan? There was, um, there was some study years ago that kind of, they surveyed people at very, in kind of various professions within, you know, the scientific profession or the, and, and doctors and nurses and stuff like that to determine what, you know, whether they believe in God, whether they believe in the supernatural and stuff like that by, by extension. And there, so it was like something like 90 something percent of scientists didn't believe in anything supernatural. And then that number dropped like very considerably with doctors and nurses and people in the medical profession. So a lot, a higher, far higher percentage of doctors and nurses believed in something supernatural and that's not you know it's not hard to understand why i mean for one doctors and nurses are practitioners of kind of scientific findings they're not immersed in kind of scientific research and the kind of scientific uh process on a day-to-day basis like people who have like phds and are actively conducting research so there's that and then on top of that doctors and nurses see horrible things all the time on average right like they they experience death in a very visceral way in a way that most people don't experience it so despite all of their you know knowledge and their understanding of the scientific method the things they experience really in order to cope with i think you know that they do resort to 
or lean on kind of a, a belief in the supernatural, either because it gives them hope or it lends, you know, meaning to the, the events that they experience that they can't explain or that are, would be meaningless otherwise that this kind of lends meaning to these, these kind of the chaos that they experience. So I think there's all sorts of possible reasons why, why nurses believe in this thing and doctors believe in these things. And I don't think that they should be looked down upon. I think like you said, Sarah, it's at minimum entertaining and I find it entertaining. I watch supernatural movies. I, I've indulged myself in supernatural beliefs. I've had a thrill of running up my stairs away from gremlins and stuff like that. And just at the end of the day, kind of how do you get through life experiencing kind of the worst 20 minutes of everybody else's life? And, you know, at a certain point, you just kind of have to pick whatever coping mechanism you can to get through. So... I don't hold it against anybody. Good, because I was about to cuss you out if you had said something <laughs> otherwise. So just with me, kind of with the last final words, I'm not going to get into too much detail because I think Sarah and Jordan kind of covered uh, the bulk of it. Again, I don't think um, you know any healthcare provider or anybody out there talking about the supernatural or whatever. I mean, again, I think that's their own personal experience. We're not providing treatment based on these experiences we're not like oh here's a special pill that you could take to you know whatever deal with whatever you're seeing or whatever the case may be again obviously um, we're not talking about individuals who are having a full separation of reality versus you know um you know um not reality so we're not talking about mental health either this is a fun topic and i think that that's if there's anything anybody should take away it's that you know Every once in a while, we need to laugh a little bit. We need to suspend our ability to, um, you know, or suspend our thoughts and and our rational mind just to have a little bit of fun. And I think that's more what it is. And I think that, you know, um, I would never look down on someone who who has this experience or has or who has maybe even not had these types of experiences. Again, I just think it's. It's so personal to the individual and I would never look down on anybody for, for having these conversations. And again, I think, like I said, it's all fun. And I think that at the end of the day, it doesn't make you any less of a practitioner, whether you believe or that you don't believe. So all right. that's where, that's where I stand. Woo. And thanks Jordan for coming on again. We appreciate it. It's been a while. You were on one of our earliest episodes and now you're back again. So this is awesome. And uh, yeah, we would love to hear your ghost stories. So send them to us. Absolutely. Have a good night, everyone. Good night. Doo, 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 doo.